Hello everyone, Darren here, and oh my goodness, I'm excited for today's episode. It's a bonus episode that I was able to record with my friend Nathan Berry, the CEO and founder of ConvertKit, while we were at the recent 2023 Creator Economy Expo in Cleveland, Ohio. And my goodness, it was so cool because the team at ConvertKit reached out and asked if they could have this conversation between me and Nathan. He's promoting the ConvertKit um, partner network. And I said, absolutely, because I love Nathan. And as you'll hear in this um, conversation, our, you know, I've been following him for a long, long time. So it was a really cool opportunity to chat and really go deep on some of the mindset pieces, some of the values that Nathan has. Um, but today is a special bonus episode. It's probably a little longer than this uh, podcast has been in recent weeks and months. And I hope you enjoy it because there's really a lot to take away from hearing from someone who's got values that have guided his creative journey for now, you know, over a decade. We're probably pushing 20 years, maybe 15 or 20 years at this point between uh, not only myself, but for for Nathan. So it was an awesome conversation. And I apologize, we do reference like the video once or twice. Apparently, we were being recorded by another uh, group that was there and the video didn't work. <laughs> so there is no video, only audio today, so don't go looking for the video stuff. Uh, but thank you, thank you for listening to this bonus episode. And if you're not a member of ConvertKit, if you're not using ConvertKit for your email, I highly recommend that you do so. It's the most creator-forward platform out there, in my opinion. I've been using ConvertKit since 2013 when it launched. Um, Nathan was telling me that I'm one of the two longest continuous users of ConvertKit because I've been around for that long. So I'd highly recommend checking that out. There's a link in the show notes, but you can also go to convertkitforcreators.com. That's my affiliate link. So I get a little bit of a thank you kickback, but you also get, um, an extended free trial, I believe from using that link. So without further ado, Thank you for listening and enjoy this conversation with my friend, Nathan Berry. Awesome, awesome. Well, okay, this is a very cool opportunity. This is an episode of the Craftsman Creative Podcast, and we are at CEX in Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm with Nathan Berry, which feels surreal a little bit. So Nathan, thank you for, you guys were the one who set this yeah. up, so like I got to be thanking you. So if you hear some background noise, we're in the middle of like a ballroom and a reception center and all the things, but we get to chat and I've like been looking forward to this since, not just since it was set up, but like you have been, and I, I should show this now. I brought the book. You brought a copy of authority. A, I'm holding a hardback <laughs> copy of authority that is signed because that's how long I've been following you yeah. and like have been in the ecosystem of ConvertKid oh, following along. And so we've never really had a chance to chat like this. We met yeah. last year at uh, Craft and Commerce, but now to be able to kind of pick your brain a little, which I hate that phrase, I shouldn't have said it, but <laughs> to have a chat and to have some time set aside, thank you. Yeah, like, this is awesome. This is awesome. Okay, so here's where I'd love to start because the thing I probably repeat the most in my content is that success is 80% mindset, only 20% strategy and skills. And I would love to know what are kind of the values and the principles that have guided you along your path, not just from being a digital creator yourself, like writing books and creating some of the apps that you made early on to then now having ConvertKit and running a big company. 
in the creator economy space, what are some of like the personal principles and values that really drive you and help you in your decisions and what you're going to pursue? Yeah, it's funny. I'm just like, I actually haven't seen a copy of this book in a little while. This is a, this is a decade old at this point. It's it's been 10 years. Um, When you're talking about values, the first one that I articulated and wrote down was teach everything you know. Mm -hmm. And that's something, you know, in authority, that's, that's the, a lot of the premise of the book is people would get really hung up on uh, what am I going to sell versus what am I going to uh, put out publicly, you know, to, to grow the audience and, you know, or even like, oh, I'm not an expert. And so having that approach of like that, that mantra of teach everything, you know, is just like, look, teach it all. And so that has been absolutely instrumental for me. That's, that's probably the, the biggest one. Cause the way that I think about it is I realize that all these people that I follow because they're experts in the industry, it's not, they're not out there teaching because they're experts. They're seen as experts because they teach. Like I had mm. the whole thing uh, backwards. And so it's like, oh, if you want to uh, become an expert, as the tagline of the book says, it's like, start teaching. Even if it's as basic as like, you know, for me in the early days, I was learning how to design iPhone applications. And I just started saying like, here's, here's what I learned, you know, like yesterday. And I built a following around that and started selling books and, and everything. Um, so that's the first one that's been really influential is teach everything you know. And then the second one uh, is create every day. And we think about mindset and just the fact that you, know, you brought this book back after, after 10 years, which I love. Um, like if you create consistently for a long period of time, that's where all of the magic happens. I think with ConvertKit, we've had explosive growth at times. But for the most part, we've just steadily grown the company over the course of uh, 10 years. And like it compounds into something ridiculous. And so just that consistent creating, because what I see most people do is like, they hear a podcast or watch a YouTuber or read something. And they're like, that sounds amazing. I'm going to do it. And then they dive in and, you know, maybe they're excited for a weekend. <laughs> maybe that carries over for a month. And then they're like, oh, I, you know, being a creator wasn't for me. I'm like, oh, really? Tell me about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I worked on it and I, I couldn't get, couldn't get traction. I'm like, oh, well, what'd you do? And they're like, well, I worked on it every weekend for a month. And it's like, I think you're first every day, create every day. <laughs> and then, you know, not for a month, like create every day, show up consistently for two years, mm-hmm. you know, and then let's see what traction you get. So I think those two things, create every day and teach everything you know, are really the two like principles or founding values that I've built my entire creative career on. That is so cool to hear. And I, those are things that you have now like on t-shirts and yep. wooden blocks behind you and your <laughs> video. And like, yeah, they, it's clear that those have been your guiding principles. And so I wanted to spend some time on that. And it's interesting because we're here at a conference and you're going to hear what, 30 or 40 people speak at you and share ideas and tactics and things. And it's like, you can get so overwhelmed with options. And it's really about what's the one thing you want to take from this conference to implement every day for two years. Right. Because that's really the success. You look at every single person that I know and that we both follow on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever on their newsletters. And they're just like, I just did it for as long as it took until it finally worked. And it, ta- it does take that compounding. I'm probably, I mean, I've been following along because you open, you're pretty open financially and about the business side yep. of ConvertKit. 
like getting to 20 million probably took longer than getting from 20 to 30 million oh, a year. Yeah, absolutely. I because think it's that probably seven, seven years to 20 million in revenue and three from 20 to 35 million. Yeah. So yeah. Pretty nuts. It, it, numbers get bigger faster. Like compound growth is an amazing thing. Yeah. So with regard to whether you can even talk about it in your personal, cause you still blog and you still are yep. doing writing and stuff, but you could talk about it in ConvertKit too. But I'm curious, like what outcomes are you aiming for now? Like what's kind of the next milestone or what are you actually hoping to accomplish with the work that you're doing every day? Cause I think that's something unique to creators where we want to have an impact on somebody. We want to change something with the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So what are those things for you that you're really passionate about having an impact on? Yeah, I mean, I love the creator industry. Like just spending time with creators. I think when you're starting a business, a lot of people are saying like, oh, you need to find a painful problem to solve. You know, and it could be in any industry, but find that painful problem. And I'm like, oh, like that's great advice. You should do that. But make sure it's with a group of people that you want to hang out with for a decade. You know, if you're like, oh, I solved this problem for dentists and it's a, turned into a great business, like amazing. I hope you really like hanging out with dentists because that's what you're doing. <laughs> and so for me, like, I love hanging out with creators. I am one. This is my, you know, we're here at CEX and, you know, the Creator Economy Expo and, and uh, like, these are my people. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad Delta Dental is not sponsoring this podcast. Today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have been really awkward. <laughs> so, as far as what I'm doing with ConvertKit, just building as many tools as possible to like finding what works as a creator, and then just building those best practices into the tool by default. And um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things. Everyone's you know was hanging out with Chris Ducker last night, and he's like, "Hey, man, when are you going to sell the company?" And it's like I've had plenty of offers to sell the company, and it's like, "No, I'm." I'm not going to like, this is the the world. I want to keep doing this. And so I think it's just having more ideas of things to build for creators and doing it at a different scale. Because early on, if we built something into ConvertKit that I thought was interesting, like maybe it got used by a hundred people or 500 people. And so now it's like getting used by 50,000 people. And that's, that's really fun. So that's, that's what I'm up to now. Amazing. I think it's so important for creators to realize that that is such an important thing to figure out before mm-hmm. you start, um, if you can. Like sometimes, certainly, you're going to pivot, you're going to change, you're going to adapt. Opportunities are going to come into your life and it might expand or contract as far as who you're serving and why. But having that outcome or having that impact and who you want to serve actually informs the work that you're going to do every right. day and the decisions you make. So you brought up tools with ConvertKit and I'm actually excited to talk about this creator network that you guys yeah. have just launched because I've been using Sparkloop as part of the ConvertKit Creator Pro plan for a number of years, probably right. since it launched because I've been a ConvertKit user on one or one or another email address since 2013. Like, yeah, since, <laughs> since the beginning, basically. I, I was like, I consider myself a seed investor because I used... ConvertKit for probably a year or two at like a $50 a month plan and had no email list. Like it was my, I'm going to buy this and that's going to be the thing that makes me start my email yep. list. And it was like a year or two. Later. There's two people um, in particular, maybe there's one or two more, but I think of you and Justin Jackson oh, yeah. are the longest continuous paying customers of Holy ConvertKit. Cow. Like that's Justin amazing. has you beat like just barely. Oh, but- sure. And I probably had a gap in there because I was like, wait, I've been paying for this for two years. I just put two grand into ConvertKit stock, but I don't have any stock. Wait a minute. Uh, So, yeah. But I mean, I'm 
as much as my audience is small, I'm a huge proponent of ConvertKit because I love the ethos for one, but it's also the best tool, in my opinion, for creators. So for me, on the outside looking in and someone using Sparkloop and they have similar tools and now Beehive has a similar thing. And I know you already have kind of a collaboration or a partnership or maybe even some ownership in mm-hmm. Sparkloop. Yeah, we invested in Sparkloop a couple of years ago. Yeah. So tell me about like how that works because they created a thing. Now you have it from the outside, maybe even looks like a competitive right. product or feature. Why do it? And how do you kind of balance the, oh, they're already doing it and we're working with them or partnered with them. Walk me yeah. through that. Yeah. So first the creator network is this idea that really when, when I look back at my journey as a creator, all the most important moments came from connections with other creators. Usually at a conference, you know, like I, I think back to a conference called the World Domination Summit in mm-hmm. 2012. Like Chris Gillibos. Chris Gillibos yeah. event. And like that was foundational for me. And I didn't know anyone. I was not established as a creator. And I was like, okay, I just have to meet people. And so I went over and talked to these two guys and uh, who ended up becoming great friends of mine. They that built amazing businesses. And there was Chris Gillib, or sorry, um, Caleb Wojcik and James Clear, nice. who were just, getting started and at the time. And like that turned into a mastermind group that then um, grew from there and, and people did, you know, incredible things. And so what we were looking for is how do we build more of those moments into the product where being a creator and building an email list is no longer a solo activity. Like it's in, in multiplayer mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what the feature is, is basically when someone subscribes to your newsletter, it pops up and says, hey, like, thanks for subscribing like also check out these other creators. Um, and so you can have a little pod where basically you're all recommending each other. And uh, it's been live. You've been in the alpha version of it, mm-hmm. um, maybe for what, six weeks now or something yeah. like that. It's, it's pretty new. And we've just been rolling it out. And so there's all kinds of things. Uh, like Ryan Holiday is in it now. And I just got a testimonial from him because I was like, hey, like how's this been working for you? And he texted me back and he said, uh, here's a quote for your, for your website. I was like, all right, what, what do you got? <laughs> and he goes, uh, the, the creator network has driven more subscribers for Daily Stoic than every other traffic source combined. And I was like, that's a good quote. Can you give me that on video? There you go. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's a newsletter with what, 500,000 yeah, readers now? It's massive. Yeah. So so in that, you like uh, that's the the offering and it's it's scaling quickly. But you asked about the dynamics with um, Sparkloop and mm-hmm. how how that works. So- we invested in Sparkloop uh, back when it was um, just a referral tool, mm-hmm. you know, and it made it so if you sign up for Creative Pro, you get that for free and and uh, had a whole deal with them. And then they built out uh, kind of the feature they were next known for is Upscribe, which is this kind of functionality, um, but works with any email platform. And that was ultimately a long play for their real new product, which is their partner network. Right. And that's where you can refer to other, uh, other creators and get paid for it. And the creators can say, hey, instead of giving Mark Zuckerberg a bunch of money to get subscribers on Facebook or Instagram, like I could pay other creators to save, you know, $2 for every engaged subscriber you send to me. And so that people are like, oh, is Creator Network and, and Sparkloop competing? And it's like, no, no, no. What Sparkloop is building is their partner network and they need as much distribution as possible. And so we're making that happen where um, right now we just have the free subscribers, but um, coming out in about another month or so will integrate with their partner network. And so you could both do free referrals and uh, earn or spend through it. And so that's really the play there. That's amazing. Yeah, I've 
I personally have spent about three thousand or four thousand on the upscribe stuff or the partner the network. Partner network yep. But I've also made about three thousand dollars from the partner network. So it's a really great way. A lot of people have written about, you know, invest in it, but also strategically use your own upscribe and your own referrals to right. push people to other networks. And it's been great. But I think what I loved about how you guys released it was it wasn't just, here's a feature, have fun. Mm -hmm. You guys have done it really methodically and thoughtfully where you said, we're going to invite, I don't know what it was, 25 or 50 or something like that. Yeah, I think 40. And you actually paired us up with Mm -hmm. people that you thought were a good fit. So I looked at the list that you guys connected me with, Austin, uh, is it Belchak? I forget his last name. Church. Austin Church. Yep, Austin Church. And Jeremy Enns, who I had known both of them, friends with both of them, non-competitive, but Mm -hmm. collaborative things. And it was this really great, different feeling than what I got from Upscribe. Not because, not saying I don't like the other tool. I use it every day, but it was such a more thoughtful way of launching it. And now that it's expanding out, I don't know if you're still kind of connecting people or partnering them and say, you should recommend each other, but it was such a cool aspect of the way you launched it. Yeah. Cause I think there's so many features uh, in ConvertKit that work just fine as a solo activity. And if you, you know, whether it's automations or something else, right, you could, it could be 10 p.m. on uh, Wednesday night and you could be improving all, you know, how your funnels work and that, and that's great. And this is a feature that's the opposite. Like if you're trying to use it as a solo creator, like it just, it does not work. It yeah. is multiplayer only. And so there's an interesting dynamic where it can be hard to get started. People are like, oh, who should I talk to? I, I would love to partner with this person, but maybe they wouldn't want to partner with me. And so we really kicked that off of how can we get it going? And maybe people will only partner for a month or six months or something, mm-hmm. um, but getting that going initially. So we created a lot of cohorts and took that very like uh, exclusive approach to it. And that, like, I'm really glad we did because uh, it worked well. So now we've opened it up um, Bit by bit, we're adding like another 100 creators or 200 creators a week. Um, and and then like being deliberate about which industries uh, we uh, like, we'll pull people together and, and launch in um, at once. So uh, yeah, there's still a lot of uh, manual curation happening. I'm really curious how it'll go when we open it up to everyone. Yeah. Um, like will people be able to find people to partner with? Because it, it could actually end up this is the, you know, the, the product side of me, the thing I worry about is that it could end up being discouraging. Mm. You know, if you open this up to everyone, someone's like, oh, I'll have access and grow faster, but I don't actually have someone to partner with. And, and so I, I just think that with these features, you have to be very deliberate about the rollout so that it has, you know, huge wins for people rather than like making them feel more lonely in their creative career. Yeah. So this brings up a question that I didn't prepare, but I'm curious about, because I feel like you and I probably have a similar desire to help these creators get the outcomes that they mm-hmm. desire. Because you and I have both seen other people and in our own lives, the impact that having a business that works. Oh, it's amazing. It's insane. Like it changes your entire life when you've got money coming in from something that you are creating and you're mm-hmm. doing and so you've even got more intimate examples of like the James Clears and the Tim Ferrises and Arnold Schwarzeneggers who are on your list, right? Yep. And Ryan Holidays who have built massive businesses, millions of dollars a year from this stuff. And like the desire to help those that are just starting out, but we can't do it for them. Right. 
how do you wrestle with that? How do you, because you're actually building tools and saying this can help you, but there's also that little asterisk of as long as it works, as long as all the pieces come into play and you, you can't, you know, how many people are on ConvertKit? You said 50,000 or more. Yeah. Like, Yeah, there's I think 48,000 paying customers and then probably another couple hundred thousand free users. Yeah, and you, I mean, you can't help them. You can't give them a six-figure year right. business. So how do you wrestle with that despite or beyond just like building more tools? Yeah, it's a balance of, like we could probably not build another, like a single other feature for ConvertKit and like it would still be wildly valuable and a lot of stuff that, you know, people would never actually use, you know, exists today and and all of that. I think it's probably equal parts building the tools, uh, making it really easy to use out of the box. And then the, the education side is really important. And then the inspiration side uh, is just as important. Because I think people don't understand what's possible or what, like what they should actually be doing. Or um, I think there's something that happens where when you hear stories, this is why we do so much storytelling at ConvertKit. And you'll see it in the books that we produce and the uh, like mini documentaries and all of that is because people want, they need that representation to see themselves in a story. So early in my career, uh, I followed um, Jason Freed and David Hennemeyer Hansen from Basecamp. Mm -hmm. And they would talk about self-publishing. And they're like, oh, we self-published our book, uh, Getting Real. And we sold $300,000 worth. You know, this is in like, I don't know, 2011 or 2010. Um, And so like, why would anyone traditionally publish? This is so, so much better of a model. And nothing about that resonated with me. Yeah, because it was like, sure, you can do that. You have a hundred thousand. I don't know if it was even email subscribers. You know, a hundred thousand RSS subscribers to your blog, right? You have this <laughs> this level of reach. Like, I didn't relate in any way. But uh, a couple of years later, there are these two designers, um, Jared Drysdale and Sasha Grief, who they didn't know each other, but purely by chance, they self published eBooks about design and launched in the exact same day. Oh wow. And I remember seeing both these launch on, on Hacker News and on Twitter and like looking at that. Um, and there's a, this uh, a guy named Jason Cohen, who's the um, founder of WP Engine, which he scaled into a massive like oh, yeah. 2,000 employee business and, and all of that. <laughs> uh, it wasn't quite, quite that big then, but he thought that was interesting. He, he invited both um, Sasha and Jared onto um, his blog and said like, hey, write guest posts because they each had very different pricing methods. Yeah. He was like, write a guest post about why your pricing method was better than the other person's. And so uh, they both did. And what was fascinating to me is I think one of them had made uh, $6,000 in 48 hours and the other had made $8,000 in 48 hours. And I saw them and I was like, oh, that could be me because they were designers it was self-published. It was launched a small audience. Like it was exactly me. And so the, uh, the base camp example um, didn't resonate at all because they were a whole level above. And the, you know, this example was like, that was a perfect fit. I ended up self-publishing my blog or my, my book maybe six months later. Um, and I later came back on Jason Cohen's uh, and wrote uh, like a whole article about pricing strategy of like why I in fact had a better pricing strategy really from combining them. I remember that blog because it was the three-tiered strategy. And yep. what did you do, like 40 or something in sales? Um, or was it even more than that? So in the first uh, 24 hours, I did 12 grand in sales. And then 
Uh, the first week was 20 and then it yeah. took yeah. off from there. And you did three books in pretty short order, right? Like I did. Like two design ones and then authority was your third, right? Yep. Yeah, I had this habit that I'd built up that I learned from Chris Gillibo of writing a thousand words a day, yeah. no matter what. I ended up building, like getting to 600 days in a row. But when we're talking about how to help creators, mm-hmm. that that final leg that I think is really important is telling stories that someone can see themselves in. Where Because you you just never know what story people are going to be like, oh yeah, well, she can do that because of whatever. He can do that because he has this advantage. And then someone goes, oh, that could be me. And I think that's such a powerful moment when someone sees a story and says, that could be me. And then they make it happen. And so that's why, like with ConvertKit, we focus a lot on the storytelling side of it. Yeah. That sounds like a good title for a ConvertKit podcast. That could be me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Awesome, That'd man. Good. Um, so here's an here's a inside baseball question. Because one thing that was frustrating for me using other tools as far as like upscribe and referrals and stuff like that mm-hmm is I noticed a precipitous drop in my subscriber engagement. Like my mm-hmm. average open rates before implementing that tool were 50 to 53% every week. Yep. And I have a weekly newsletter. I've been doing it for a long time. I just crossed uh, issue 100. So like nice. I have data. And then every single week as new subscribers were coming in, it was like 50%, 49, 48, 43, 37. And I'm like, I got to stop. What? So I literally paused the other tool and was like, okay, I'm spending money. I've got all these like 2,000 new subscribers. Right. This is amazing. But not if they're not engaging. And then I even sent an email newsletter out where I said, send, send two versions. Send yeah. one to that group and one to the original group. The original group was still at like 51, 52%. The other one was 25. Right. So half is engaged because they came through that channel. Is that something that you think is uh, happening across the board or is it a unique thing to me? And do you think that it's worthwhile to bring in tons more new subscribers if they're half as engaged as the, like the audience that comes through social media or knows you from another channel? Well, I think the first thing that's really interesting is looking at engagement by channel. Mm -hmm. And so you could, that's something you can do in ConvertKit is you could, um, you know, you sent two different broadcasts, but if you wanted, you could just filter the broadcast based on, um, say like, hey, everyone who signed up through the ads that I ran on Facebook, you know, or through this lead magnet that I offered, you could look and see, oh, they're actually converting at a lower rate, um, you know, on from there. And what you'll find if you dig into that data is usually organic subscribers, especially someone who maybe they followed you on Twitter mm-hmm. for like a month or two, and then they like, then they actually joined your email list. Um, they're going to have probably the most engagement because they were, weren't given as much of an incentive to sign up. And so then down from there, like the paid subscribers, um, you, you, like if you had been running Facebook or Insta- Instagram ads, then you're going to see a lot of that that'll be lower engagement. Mm-hmm. And so as you're thinking about, oh, if I'm paying you know $3 per subscriber on Instagram, I have to keep in mind that's not the same quality as the average on my list of someone who's stuck around. Yeah. And so cleaning that list is going to be really important. So I guess all that to say, I think that's pretty normal that the engagement is going to be lower. Mm-hmm. There's things you can do about that. Um, like one is really hooking those subscribers as they come in. So in ConvertKit, if someone comes through the creator network and is referred to you, you can have a custom welcome sequence. Oh yeah. Just for them. You could say, hey, like you haven't 
followed me on social for three months and read mm-hmm. everything I posted. I'm like, you know, it's like, you were like referred to me by a friend. Here's what I'm about, right? That's actually their first experience with you. I'm like, uh, this seems interesting. Sure, you know? Yeah. And so it's up to you to really bridge that gap. And you can't treat people the same yeah, that's um, if they've been on your list for years versus if they just signed up because, um, you know, like they were actually signing up for Austin and he said your stuff was good. Yeah. And well, so- in my current, I'm thinking about my current welcome sequence, which is like, hey, no matter where you found me, whether it was Twitter or LinkedIn or a workshop or someone referred you. So I'm kind of doing the catch all and maybe that's not the best strategy. Yeah, and so it bridge that gap. Right. Yeah. What would you say if we're meeting at the conference, you know, for the first time yeah. and I'm like, Hey, what are you about? Right. And you're like, if you're like, well, you probably know me from social. It's like, I, I don't actually, you know, and so you would have different copy uh, in that case. And so even if you have your normal welcome sequence and just the first two emails are different, you know, you could have it like two or three emails. That's a brand new introduction to you, some of your best content, and then drops you into the sequence for those who come through recommendations. And then the other thing is I would pretty liberally unsubscribe people yeah. if they're not a good fit. Cause let's say that normally on my list, if I get someone subscribed, like 50% of them are engaged and through this new source, only 25% are engaged. So it's half the number. Okay. That's still amazing. Just remove the other half. Yeah. And then if you're paying for subscribers, keep that in mind with uh, like, if on average a subscriber is worth $3 for you to pay for, well, keep in mind that through this source, if they're going to be less engaged, you might only be willing to pay $2. Or on the back end, if you think about the flywheel that's running your business, you might need to be tweaking your automations downstream to say, hey, how do I drive a few more sales of this course so that uh, I can drive up the average revenue per subscriber? Yeah. What I love is that I'm getting a little bit of the uh, strategy that you know that all the other creators on ConvertKit are implementing. Yep. And I, I do a lot of that stuff, but I just recently in the last like maybe month because of this problem, I recognized uh, Brennan Dunn and Jason Resnick are two mm-hmm. really great like ConvertKit automation guys and they teach what they know. So they've been oh, yeah. following your um, values there. But I, I forget which one of them told me about, hey, just implement this simple automation where it's like if they don't engage, then put them over here in this filter. And if it's been that way for four weeks, then kick them off the list. Basically it's like, Oh, that's an easy solution. So at some point I'll probably turn back on the recommendation engine because now I have a way to kind of keep that list clean instead of it turning into a 10,000 person list with still only the same 1500 people. Yeah. Cause you're, you're touching on something really important, which is focus on the number of engaged subscribers. Mm -hmm. Creators can get caught up in, in, the total number and being excited about the fact that like, oh, I have 10,000 people on my newsletter. And it's like, okay, that's great. But how many are opening? How many are engaging? If you were to send out an email saying, hey, what's your biggest struggle with X? Would you get five replies or would you get, you know, a hundred replies? Mm-hmm. And what you want is that really engaged list. And so like, feel free to delete people off of the list if they're just not opening or engaging. Because the great thing is you have all of that data and you can tell, you know, which traffic sources are engaging and, and because that's ultimately our goal is how do we get the highest number of highly engaged people rather than just the, the biggest number that we could brag about on our, you know, opt-in form or something. Right. Yeah. It's, that's been a constant struggle of like, I don't actually want a hundred thousand Twitter followers. I don't want a big audience. I don't want to have to 
have a machine that I have to feed every week in order to keep that engine growing and sustainable and everything. And honestly, the creator side for me is like, I want that to be half of what I do because I'm a film producer. Like I love making movies and I don't want, I'm not trying to replace that, but I want to subsidize it so I can only need to do two movies a year. So the idea- I think something that you brought up that's interesting just between different platforms, like having 100,000 Twitter followers- I think this is probably the biggest problem on on YouTube. Mm. If you think about, you know, if you had 100,000 email subscribers, you might curate that list. You know who's engaged and all that. You have 100,000 um, subscribers on YouTube. That's not 100,000 people that are engaged. That's 100,000 people that were ever engaged. And so you run into this problem where creators actually are pretty discouraged on YouTube because maybe over the course of 10 years, they've built an audience to 100, 200, 300,000. But if they put out a video, it's only getting 10,000 views, mm-hmm. you know. And they're like, oh, is the content not good? And it's really like, no, no, no. Those people, they might have moved on with their life. They might have followed you for design content and they're no longer a designer. They might, you know, whatever it is, they might be following, you know, your parenting content and their kids have grown up, you know. And they're like, it, it's not necessarily about you, but these other channels don't have a way. Like I have 100,000 followers on Twitter and I would love a way to trim it, like to trim out the bots and to oh, trim yeah. out all of that. And there's no way to do it, you know? And so email is really the only channel that you can actually go, yeah, but who, who's in my tribe and, and trim it down to just those people. Yeah. So with just a few minutes that we have left, the big question that I'm wrestling with right now, and not really wrestling because I am putting out content around this. I actually did a feature with ConvertKit just a few months ago mm-hmm. about how I did big numbers and revenue with a small audience of like yeah. less than 2,000 email subscribers because that's kind of how I've built and optimized my business. But what advice do you have for those that maybe are at the one to 5,000 subscriber range? So they've been doing it long enough to where they're not just starting out. Right. They've managed to reach that big milestone of your first thousand. They should be bringing in some revenue at this point, but maybe it's not six figures a year. What are you seeing or what kind of advice do you have for the creator in that phase of life to help them where they can still find success, but they don't, it, it doesn't have to wait until they have an email list like Ryan Holiday or James right. Clear with a million people on it. Yeah, I think a big thing in that is really thinking about what you can sell to your audience. So there's a ton of different ways that you could monetize. Um, if you, you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to go to sponsorships. I'm going to go to these other things. And really a lot of there's going to be a big difference in revenue per subscriber. So sponsorships at a small audience size generally don't make sense unless you have a very uh, like high paying niche. You know, if you ran like a small uh, list for um, high net worth investors, right? Sponsorships are, are probably, mm-hmm. you know, highly valuable to that. Um, but if you're targeting, you know, like, I don't know what the industry is, but something where people may not have a lot of money to spend, you're probably not going to do well through sponsorships. I think the thing that small creators can do really well to earn a lot is have multiple products. So where it makes sense that someone might buy your book for $30 and then they might buy a course from you for a hundred or 200 and then up from there, maybe even coaching or um, uh, consulting services. If you have that product ladder that someone could work up where one, it's not like, Oh, I bought the only thing that I could possibly buy from Darren. And there's not a reason that I would, like buy it a second time. And so it's like, <laughs> even if I'm the biggest fan of your content, like I, I have no way to give you more money, right? Give people a way to give you more money. And so I think that implementing 
um, additional pro like coaching services on top, you know, at the high end, that's going to be really effective. And then in the products that you're selling, have multiple price tiers. Because what you do is uh, you really capture as much as much revenue from each subscriber as possible. Because I might come in and be like, oh, I'd happily buy something from you for $20, $30, $50. But like, there's no way I can pay $200 or $500. Mm -hmm. And someone else might be like, $500 to learn this? Absolutely no problem. Like, I'm in. And so what you can do, instead of deciding, okay, we're going $500 and we're excluding all these people who couldn't afford to pay that, or we're going $30 and, you know, or $50 and we're just leaving all this potential money on the table, you can actually have the best of both worlds. And so this is especially true if you are uh, selling training that's going to be used by businesses, like teaching people skills that make money uh, to people who have money, mm -hmm. I think is is a really good thing. And so what happens in that is if someone's using the company credit card to pay, like figure out what in your industry, what are people allowed to put on the company credit card under their education budget or something else uh, and charge that. Because if I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, there's uh, package A for a hundred bucks or package B for 250. And I think that B is going to help me get my job done a little faster and I'm paying with the company credit card, rounds to the same number. They're both under the threshold of what I have to go ask for permission to spend. Mm -hmm. And there's this idea of people are like, oh, why would I, like, why would people pay for content that you could get for free on the internet? And uh, uh, a friend of mine, Patrick McKenzie, talks about how no HR department or no boss wants to write a payroll check where the memo line is researching free stuff on the internet. Because it's not free, right? You just paid someone $100,000 a year and they're like, oh, I'm just Googling stuff. And it's like, no, 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 buy the course, you know, learn that in much less time from the experts. Um, and so I, I think going back to the question of the, uh, how to earn the most from a small list, it's multiple products, um, high-end coaching or services, and then also within each product having multiple price tiers so you can maximize um, the revenue per subscriber. That's brilliant. Well, Nathan, thank you so much, not just for this conversation, but honestly, I wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for you and this book, Authority. That was like 10, 11 years ago. I wrote my first book yep. because you wrote that, gave me a framework to do it. And I wrote my first ebook in like three months. I did my second book, which was the first time I did a physical copy in yep. 2017. And my third book was last year. It released right before CEX. Mm -hmm. And I used it combined with like Joe's advice and some other people's advice around how to use books in this creator economy space. And, you know, now I'm here as a speaker this year. I'm having these opportunities because all of this. And honestly, it would like I can draw a direct line to your influence, your writing back in the day over 10 years ago. So thank you so much for that impact you've had on me in my career. I love um, it. Is there any th other things you'd want to shout out or have people go find out more about you and ConvertKit? No, I just, I think that's awesome. Like one of the the best things about creating content and tools and all that is when people actually use it for the mm -hmm. desired outcome. Because with authority, I, I discovered this. Yeah, it wasn't the first, but, you know, to discover by any means, but, um, you know, it was new to me. And I'm like, does everyone else know that you can create an audience online and like make money from this and you don't have to show up to a job you hate and like <laughs> you can be location independent and everything else. And so actually just hearing that like, yep, the, the system works. I put it into practice and uh, that it had that impact is awesome. 
Uh, as far as uh, all my stuff, I guess uh, I have a podcast called The Nathan Berry Show where I do interviews like this. Um, and then everyone should go use ConvertKit. You know, if you're building an audience as a creator, um, that's who we built the tool for. Amazing. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. All right. Again, I hope you enjoyed that bonus episode between me and Nathan Barry. Oh my gosh. So much fun to chat with him and to be able to sit down and spend some time with him like that. And in about a week and a half from now, I'm going to go see him again at the craft and commerce uh, conference up in Boise, Idaho that ConvertKit puts on. So it's been a cool month or two of hanging out with creators and uh, connecting with people that I've followed online for a long time. So thank you again for listening. And if you have not yet gone and attended one of my free workshops, I highly, highly recommend that you do so. So if you're aspiring to be a full-time creator, whether it's you know like myself where you've got a little side hustle, you're writing books, you're creating podcasts, you have a newsletter, or you've got aspirations like Nathan to start a 30 plus million dollar a year revenue company with 60 remote employees and anywhere in between, I highly recommend that you check out one of my workshops. Just go to workshops.craftsandcreative.co. I run them every month and it's really a great way to get an overview of my five-part framework for building creative businesses. I've spent the last few years really diving into how does this stuff work because I've always wanted to have revenue from being a creator, from writing, from producing content and things like that. And I had never quite cracked it until recently. And so now that I've kind of figured it out for myself, I'm going out and sharing as much as I can with as many people as possible. And my favorite way to do that is through these live in-person, well, not in-person, but virtual in-person, <laughs> in-person on the internet uh, workshops. They're about 90 minutes long. I walk you through the whole framework. There's time for Q&A and get you really, really clear on where you are, where you're going, how to get there. So I hope you'll join us again. That's workshops.craftsandcreative.co and we will see you there. Thanks.